Hello, and welcome to Fraud Talk. I'm Courtney Howell, Community Manager at the ACFE. Today, our guest is Deidre Jackson. Deidre is the founder and managing partner of Opus Strategies, and public affairs firm that provides expert guidance for clients across many different industries, regions, and sectors. Thank you for joining us today, Deidre. Thank you for having me, Courtney. All right, so today we'll be focusing on diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging within the anti-fraud profession. Before we dig in too much into that topic, uh, could you give us the scoop on Opus Strategies? Uh, How would you describe your firm? Absolutely, Courtney. Opus Strategies is a strategic communications firm. We have clients that we provide a variety of communication services for everything from public to media relations, crisis communications, advocacy, so anything that falls underneath the government relations umbrella, uh, including regulatory work, uh, as well as we support uh, a lot of education and workforce development career readiness initiatives across the country. Uh, So in general, we uh, on the front end provide uh, external affairs for our clients and then also internally, uh, we help them with a lot of recruiting efforts. Um, It could be marketing from uh, any workplace experiences that range from middle school to higher ed. Um, And also, as we talk about that career readiness and that workforce development system, uh, incorporating a lot of diversity, equity and inclusion initiatives within their work as well. Awesome. Now, we had talked a little bit before this, so I know you have a pretty interesting and unique story about how you came to be where you are today, so I was wondering if you could share that with us. Sure, sure. Uh, Well, I started my career, um, I would say, um, well, I don't want to start just with my professional career. I have to, you know, give a lot of credit to my internships that I had while I was in college at Howard University. Uh, I, from my freshman year, I had an amazing uh, career counselor my freshman year uh, that told me I needed to start interning immediately uh, during the school year, every summer, just to get a, you know, good sense of what I wanted to do. Uh, understand uh, what industries were out there and how communications plays a part in pretty much all of them, Uh, you know, from journalism to corporate communications uh, to government relations to, you know, even, you know, in the educational space uh, with speech pathology and communication. So to, you know, if you you do that in your freshman year, by the time you get, you know, to your senior year, you have a great understanding of career opportunities that are out there. And so I was grateful for that advice and totally took advantage of all of those opportunities. From there, I, let's see, BASF, uh, which was the, is the largest chemical company in the world, hired me to manage their uh, communications and government affairs program. Uh, and so we built it from literally, I don't wanna say scratch, but it was almost scratch. Uh, and I had an amazing um, you know, team and uh, leadership team that I reported to. And they literally you know, supported me doing some great innovative things. Uh, when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, I mean, I, I was fortunate to have, you know, a great person that I, I worked with, uh, two great people uh, in, for the site management and for uh, the government affairs function to really allow me to use my voice uh, and, and to, you know, do some great things, uh, you know, during those uh, few years. And I think the interesting part of the story, which you were alluding to, is how I started my own firm. Uh, so I was having a conversation uh, with um the person that I was reporting to at the time. And he told me, 
that he really, um, I don't want to say could not do anything for my career, but the way the company was set up was that the technical uh, careers were, they have a scale, you know, you get promotions, you move up to another role, the communications, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, professions, not so much, you know, they're very flat. You can stay there for a long time, uh, get promotions, but your role may still be the same. Uh, there may be some opportunities internationally, but, you know, it's pretty much the same role and you just grow in it and, and continue to, you know, uh, be there for a while. Uh, during that time, he had noticed a lot of things that I um, was doing. Well, some things that I was doing externally, I would say, of the company, like with trade associations, uh, you know, and government affairs that the whole industry um, got to benefit from. Uh, and I like that work, quite honestly. You know, I, you know, I can sit in an office all day, but I really like to get out with the people and I like to, you know, make change and, and big change when I'm there. Uh, so again, the support, uh, you know, from the people that were around me, allowing me to, you know, just really get my hands dirty with those things and, and, and giving me the time and the space and the resources, uh, you know, financial resources to do that. Uh, was was very impactful. And so from there, you know, he said, you know, Deidre, I really see the benefits of what, you know, your, your work, uh, it, you're just better outside of the company uh, for, you know, in, in summary. And I remember at the time thinking, am I on candid camera? You know, who, whose boss says this to them, right? Uh, but I really, you know, I talked to a couple of friends outside of the company that had had, you know, communications firms, government relations firms, someone I really trusted, uh, CJ Blosh, uh, who had been a lobbyist in Louisiana for a very, very long time, Rodney Braxton, uh, you know, again, people that were senior to me that have been doing this for a long time. I confided in them. I asked them, you know, here's the situation. What would you do? Both of them unequivocally, unequivocally, with no, uh, you know, pause or anything says, do it, take it. I remember CJ saying to me, um, do you think you can do it? You know, do you think that you can go out and get clients? Who do you believe in? And I said, I believe in myself. And I think at that time he said, okay, well, let's go. You know, it's, it's all he needed to hear. And so with that, you know, I shortly went back and said, okay, I'll do it. You know, so that relationship from being, you know, internal to the company, they were my first client. And that was how I was able to build my firm in 2013 and continue to, you know, build since then. So in October of this year, it will be eight years. Uh, that Open Strategies has been, you know, a communications firm. And we have had, you know, with the economy, uh, some slow times and, you know, some times that are extremely, you know, busy, busy, busy. So uh, that is my story, uh, probably a little bit non-conventional, uh, but, you know, it's been the journey that I have, you know, I've appreciated and the slow growth has been amazing for us. And um, I am fortunate to do what I love and to be able to do it with my own voice. That I, I love that. And, you know, when we talked about it earlier, something that really stood out to me and that you mentioned just now is that, you know, your boss told you, hey, I see you exceeding outside of the company and having that sort of belief and support and, um, I don't know, motivation to take a risk is, is rare. And I just think it's really cool and that you actually went for it and that you're like, you know what, I can do this. Uh, because career changes are scary, no matter how prepared you feel. <laughs> um, sure, sure. I think that, um, well, you also touched on, you know, the mentors that you had at the beginning. And I, I really want to come back to that a little bit later. Um, yes. But something that I think 
you mentioned that kind of leads me into our main topic today, diversity, equity, inclusion, um, is the courage. And because I do think it takes courage to speak on these things. It takes courage to make a shift in company culture. So I want to just jump right in and start off on the broad high level area. Um, Because with in the ACFE and in the anti-fraud profession in general, we often talk about tone at the top, which um, I'm sure you and many of our members will automatically know what I'm talking about. But just in case some of our listeners haven't heard that uh, term, it's basically the idea that the leaders in a company really set the tone for a company's culture and whatever behavior they're modeling, that's what's going to trickle down into the rest of the organization. So kind of starting there, um, and I think it's really an integral part of building an ethical culture and building a diverse, inclusive in culture. So I see a lot of crossover between that idea and then, you know, our main topic today of DEI. So just to start out, I would like to hear um, from you, um, what do you, what does DEI look like at a broad organizational level? Like what are you seeing and what are some, some areas that you see as successful? Sure, um, I would say DEI uh, holistically, uh, and you know, we have seen DEI is not new. Diversity, equity, inclusion efforts are not new. Uh, we, uh, you know, you think back and you think about the history of where this comes from. It comes from, you know, the 1960s, uh, right after the Civil Rights Act. And how do we, you know, from federal policy, how do we change all of the policies that were discriminatory, you know, horrific in this country? Uh, how do we do this? on paper, right? Because this is how it starts, because it's now a federal law. So as we can see, now we're in 2021, and these laws have been on the books, you know, since since 1964, right? And then we see, well, what has happened from, from there until now? So we have to start there. So I just wanted to make that point about historically, this didn't just happen last year, and let's pay attention to it. This has been in existence for decades. Uh, and then when you, um, you know, qualify that, like, what, what is this? What, what are these, you know, initiatives and why are they necessary? Um, it comes from that history and it comes from why companies, you know, governments, institutions have to pay attention to, um, you know, how they are treating people from all races, uh, all ethnic, uh, ethnicities and, and genders, uh, you know, for that matter. So, when I think about uh, DEI um, efforts, uh, and I will speak to the most current ones, uh, I see uh, that people are being a bit more intentional um, as it relates to what that is individually for their organization and for their for their company. For instance, um, I see a shift over the last almost twelve months or so. You know. Prior to that, I would say like when I started my career in the 90s, uh, we would see diversity efforts and it would be painted with one brush, you know, across the board, whether it would be, you know, towards races, uh, ethnicities, uh, you know, males, females, uh, you know, what have you. Now I am starting to see, and I hope it is because of just, you know, the evolution of where we are, 
uh, that all of these people that are doing it well are not painting it with one brush. People that are doing it well are doing things like, okay, well, let's have initiatives for Black people. Let's have initiatives for Latinx. Let's have initiatives for females. Let's have initiatives for, you know, Asian Pacific Islanders, uh, you know, or what have you. And so being able to uh, implement uh, a great DEI strategy is being able to understand cultures, being able to understand what you, what you what, what's your North Star in your organization, where you are, where you want to be, and devise a plan and strategy to get there. Uh, so overall, uh, to answer your question, uh, you know, that's what these efforts should look like. And they should look like that, not only because it's the right thing to do, but because it's just good business, uh, you know, no matter what industry you're in. And so, um, you know, there will be people that are, you know, superstars and rock stars at it that have been really working on it every year, uh, having internal champions. You talked about, you know, the top down uh, before. Uh, your efforts will not work if it's not a, I would say, a company culture. And if the leadership does not demand and, and um, make sure and hold leaders accountable uh, to to the efforts that they are that they are creating, and so um, you know, uh, in in a nutshell, uh, Courtney, I think that um, that would be my definition of what diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts are uh, today. I love that, and um, I like how you broke it up into you know where we how, where it all started, or you know probably was oh you know, I'm going big on, on that. before that. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to it. understand, you know, this is not just you know some new compliance for the day because everyone got upset last year. No, this has been going on for a very, very long time. And I would say we, you know, as a country have been doing a poor job at it. And not just, you know, in the workplace, it happens in, you know, education, healthcare, banking, you know, economic development, you know, all of these things. So it's, it's across the board. Definitely. And, um, you know, also we have a pretty global audience or Absolutely. membership and, I know that just like this isn't new for us here in the U.S., yeah. it's it's also, um, you know, kind of echoing all throughout the world. And I think pretty much everyone is taking a really close look at sure. what they have been doing and where, mm -hmm. like you said, finding that North Star and envisioning where they want to go moving forward. Sure. So with that in mind and thinking about the work that you do, what are some of the things that when you're working with an organization, what would you typically recommend um, for organizations who are actively trying to improve and build this type of culture? Sure. Um, it, I would say two things. One, uh, you have to look at it uh, in its entirety in your organization. And, and you can't just fix one piece of it in one functional area and, and let the other ones just, you know, take a pass at it. It has to be across the whole organization because for the most part, there are interdependencies within those organizations that, you know, everyone has to, if not, you know, report up, they're reporting sideways, diagonally. And, you know, so everything works together like one big, you know, uh, machine. Uh, and so when we are going to assess, uh, you know, an organization and helping them uh, on different levels, operationally or, you know, from a communications perspective, there are typically uh, four targets uh, that we look at. We always start with employees. We always start with recruiting, mentorship, professional development, and look at 
if there are any existing diversity, equity, and inclusion practices that have been, you know, implemented since onboarding, since you're onboarding an employee, uh, and what happens, you know, if you're doing annual evaluations, uh, performance evaluations, uh, whether it relates to, you know, the task at hand, one of those tasks should include, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, particularly when you're dealing with management. Also, uh, you know, from a procurement standpoint, uh, when you're recruiting, you know, vendors, when you're working with, you know, other organizations outside that help your company run, how are you recruiting these employees? If they are a minority, you know, uh, owned business, if they are, you know, a veterans owned business, if they are a, you know, woman owned business, how are you helping these companies that traditionally have been under, you know, represented, marginalized, help them to succeed? Uh, you know, what type of programs that you have in place or, or metrics to ensure that you are being equitable, uh, that you are being fair. Um, also, I, the next one would be, I would say, an expansion of accountability. It should not just lie with your board of directors. It should not just lie with your C-suite executives. It should lie with every person that is within your organization. And that should be when we talk about, um, you know, some of those challenges of making sure that these efforts work, uh, making sure that they are sustainable, that is the key reason why they're not sustainable. For instance, you know, people move jobs and, you know, they, they travel and relocate. You don't want to have like three champions that are champions for diversity and equity, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion in a company of like, you know, 10,000 people. If those three people go somewhere, then what happens to their initiatives? They need to be embedded in the structure uh, and it needs to be known that, you know, this is something that's important to us. Uh, we need to do a better job every day. I always tell my clients, you can never do enough, right? Like you can never say, oh, we've made it. And yay, you know, gold star for us. No, no, there's always more work to do. Uh, and that just comes from, you know, uh, how I'm driven as a person. I'm always trying to uh, outdo myself. You know what I mean? Like trying to do better. If there's something else that I want to do, how can I do this? How can I do this better? Uh, you know, continuing education and learning is very key for me um, in all aspects of my life. And so that's another piece of it, just expanding that accountability across the whole organization. Then you think about how do you do that, right? And so uh, we have exercises and really, you know, tough conversations of being able to um, tie metrics to these efforts. I talked earlier about, you know, performance evaluations and things of that nature, where it's not just that for the function, the role that you're in, but being able to measure uh, and reward, uh, you know, for diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. Uh, how do we do that? How do we measure that? How do we embed that into our human resources function, uh, into our, you know, incentive compensation, you know, for, for some uh, high level, you know, um, or I would say leadership roles within a company, you know, they get bonuses for other things. They should be getting bonuses for, you know, creating diverse teams uh, and, and mentoring and providing opportunities for employees that traditionally have not had the opportunity, you know, to be included in, in advancement. Uh, and, you know, this is what that looks like when you talk about that expansion of accountability and, and you know, the leadership creating a culture across the whole organization. Uh, and then lastly, uh, you know, really making significant policies uh, to encourage inclusion, not just word service, I mean, lip service, not just words, but really making them policies. 
uh, and there you know, are repercussions for those policies. Uh, and being very, very strong about that uh, zero tolerance for, for a lot of things that literally I have experienced, you know, all of us have experienced and, you know, just setting a, uh, a very, very clear example from the top of how things should operate within this company. Uh, and it's just looking through things, Courtney, with a, with a different lens. Uh, and it takes work on everybody's part to do that. And, and, you know, just every individual can make a change every day. I like to, you know, tell people, I think we spoke about this earlier when we talked about the massive, you know, philanthropy that's happening over the last year, billions and billions of dollars from, you know, large corporations, foundations, organizations to, to speak to, uh, you know, racial justice, um, inequities across the board. And it's needed. No question. But if you think about the amount of money that it takes to just do the right thing every day, right? And to make changes in how you act and, and your mindset, that's free. And you can do that every minute, every hour, every day. Just do better. And so I don't, um, I shy away from projects that are very well funded, but I see that they don't have the structure and the sustainability. Uh, to make um, maximum impact without those individual changes and that ownership and that accountability on all levels, it is money down the drain. And so I encourage not only do you, you know, put the resources behind it because you must have that, right? Um, you know, I have seen, unfortunately, you know, a lot of roles that have been created, chief diversity officer, uh, you know, VP of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And when I talk to some of these people that are in these roles, they may be embedded inside of an HR function. They may not have a budget to go along with their, uh, with their role. And so if you are taking these roles, if you are creating these roles within your organization, it is important. I cannot stress enough how important it is to provide the support that those you know individuals need or those departments need to actually you know um, do their job and to do their job well, and it's just again good business sense. Oh, so so many good nuggets in there, and I I found myself coming up with a lot of questions that I wanted to ask to dig in even sure. deeper. But um, mm -hmm. I think maybe to start with, we could talk about because you know you're talking about you need resources, but you also um, need to have the culture side of it as well. And I think, sure. you know, something that a, a lot of organizations might get tripped up on is creating, you know, a list of things that they should do, you know, to, in order to be in compliance. And yet they're still not creating that culture mm -hmm. where people do feel comfortable and people do feel safe and people feel welcome to, voice concerns or have tough conversations. So how can you make sure that it's not just checking off the boxes, but you're actually making progress in the culture and shift? Sure. So from a leadership perspective, it is very difficult to make decisions and, and planning and, and, and create strategies on this topic without having a diverse team. That's the biggest. Uh, there, there's no way you can create a, uh, you know, a strong diversity program if you have a team that is not diverse. Uh, you know, you have to include people uh, that are from a certain background, uh, have had certain experiences, 
uh, to be able to help and shape uh, what that looks like for your organization. I even go so far as to include in all of the efforts that I do, uh, speaking to people throughout the organization. I want to speak to everyone from the administrative assistant uh, to the janitorial service, to the you know procurement office, through the accountants, every you know nook and cranny of an organization to understand. Well, first of all, it takes trust, right? So you have to establish trust uh, with you know people, so they will speak freely to you and they will be honest. Uh, when you do that, it, you will be surprised at the feedback that you receive. Um, I know. I, I fortunately, I have had you know great leadership that has encouraged me to do that. Uh, you know, any given time, you will see me speaking to everyone in the building, uh, understand, you know, intelligent, you know, just getting intelligence information uh, and seeing how I can, you know, make things better across the board. Um, if you do things in a silo, you will always fail. Uh, and I have uh, encouraged my clients not to do that. A lot of pushback sometimes. Oh, no, we don't want to. We don't want to talk to that group. We don't want to talk to them. And I'm like, okay, well, you're just wasting your money. You know, do you are is what are you doing here? If you really want to change something, if you really want to, you know, create something that's sustainable and change this structure uh, and this culture, then this is what you know has to happen. And so uh, I, I would say, Courtney, first of all, you know, to avoid that, you include uh, diversity uh, within you know those decision making um, processes. Uh, if you're dealing with a vendor. Uh, be sure, you know, that you have um, done your due diligence on who these people are, just as individuals personally, but also their success at creating these type of programs. Just dig a little deeper, unpack it a bit. I've seen a lot of shops pop up in the last few months, you know, now we're, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion consultants. And that's great because it's a new industry, you know, and people can do very well in it. But you also need to, uh, I would say, Make sure that who you are hiring, uh, if you are hiring someone externally to do the work, make sure that that team, particularly the leadership team, is reflective of the message and the mission that you are trying to incorporate within your organization. Meaning, to be specific, um, if they don't have any Black people on their leadership team, that's probably a red flag. If they don't have any Hispanic people, if they don't have any females, and I don't mean one, you know, or, you know, one here and there. I mean, your team just looks really diverse. Apparently, they get it right within their own organization. So the chances that they'll be successful with yours uh, are, you know, way higher than, than if they don't. Uh, I, I always encourage that. Yes, absolutely. Got to practice what you preach. <laughs> absolutely. We all do. Yes, yes exactly. Um, another thing that you had mentioned that uh, I am interested in, and I also think many of our listeners and members would be interested in, and you touched on it a little bit earlier, is about how every single person in the organization can make a difference, can do things right now today to help and uh, support DEI at their organization. So um, I guess, you know, what are some, some things that you would recommend, some steps or just actions or things people should start thinking about if they're actively trying to make a change um, within themselves in a career professional side of things? Sure, I would say uh, the number one thing, and I just encourage this um, in general, is to be a 
better listener than you are a talker. I see a lot of times in settings, particularly in, I would say, the industries that a lot of your members are part of, which would be, uh, you know, uh, accountancies, uh, federal government, law enforcement, law, um, auditing, financial services. A lot of those industries are primarily, um, I would say, if you look at the makeup of the leadership, um, they kind of look the same. You know, they, they would probably be male. Uh, a lot of them would probably be white males. Uh, and so we talked about the history, right? Going back, you know, to like the 1960s. It is not lost that if you are used to being in a room with people that look like you every day, you act in a certain way, you, you move in a certain way, you're just accustomed to that. And then all of a sudden, you know, here come all of these, you know, diversity initiatives that we actually have to pay attention to now. And we have to incorporate this into our, uh, our lives, you know, the way we are used to um, working, the way we are used, you know, some things you just can't say, right? Like some things you are, uh, I don't understand why this was offensive. Uh, and so I would just, you know, as these exercises and these activities are, are happening throughout your workplace, uh, you know, or you just may be reading, you know, new, new things, watching new movies, just understanding things that are going on around you because they're current events, is just to really listen. Um, don't talk, don't, don't debate, but really listen to what people that are different than you are saying as to why they feel this way why things are so exhausting to them, you know, every day, uh, how they have to really, you know, put a lot of those things in the drawer when they come to work and then be a whole different person uh, and then carry all of this weight of, you know, what's going on around them, perform 100% and then come home and just be cognizant of that, that when you see um, you know, a, a Black or Hispanic person or an Asian uh, Pacific Islander come in the room, they, most of the time they don't just come into a workplace uh, without carrying a lot of pressure, um, anxiety, uh, you know, with them when they come into a work environment. And so being able to listen, being able to, you know, when we're in meetings all the time, we are probably, you know, sick of so many Zoom meetings that we've had to be on over the last year or so, we all share that. Uh, that's not a diversity, equity, and inclusion issue. <laughs> that's just across the board. So I think that being able to check yourself sometimes, you know, don't just, you know, your opinion is, while it's important, other people have opinions based on their, what they have lived, what their experience is, and it matters. And so being um, empathetic of that, understanding that everybody's viewpoint has value and making sure that you're including that in your in your work product, making sure you're including that in your uh, initiatives or engagements that you're working on and being very intentional about it. Uh, I, you know, some of my most amazing experiences are uh, with people that have seen me in, you know, in a room, let's say we're in a conference room of 20 people and they have intentionally called on me. Uh, you know, I may be the only woman in the room. I may be the only black person in the room. And that man intentionally called on me because he wanted to let other people know that 
I had something to say. It was going to add value to the conversation. Uh, furthermore, adding value to the, you know, whatever we were working on and to the organization. And so that's an intentional, you know, when we talk about those individual choices that we make, uh, the mindset shifts that we need to create, um, people don't have to do that. They do it on purpose and they do it for a reason. And when we talk about leadership, leadership is not easy. Leadership is hard. You know, leadership is doing things that go against the grain sometimes for the better good. And so if each of us could do that, just say do something once a day that is something unconventional, something that will probably, you know, upset a lot of the people in the room, but it's the right thing to do. Imagine how, you know, how much we could accomplish if everyone just gets in the custom of not being afraid, not thinking about what people will say, uh, but you know, you know, in your heart, it's the right thing to do. It only takes one person to change lives. And so I am here because not only do I have an amazing family and I've had amazing teachers and professors, but I have great people that have been angels, you know, throughout my career uh, that have done that for me. And so I'm able to exceed, exhale, and I make it a point to do that for other people that are coming behind me. That's beautiful. And I really like that you you finish that by sharing, you know, areas where you get that strength and that, that you know, um, determination to just keep doing what you believe to be true and what you know will make change. And um, I guess, you know, something for me to take away from that is like, you know, finding that North star that you mentioned earlier and just like really sticking to that. And like when those uncomfortable moments do arise, thinking about that, grounding myself in that, and then just making my actions align with. Sure. With and that. all of that comes from Courtney, when we talk about mentorship, when you enter a new yes. organization, you know, traditionally, you know, it's, it's, it has to do with your network, right? So if you are coming from a, you know, underrepresented population to where you don't have, you know, the same network as other people have, you haven't had people to sit down with you, you know, on the golf course and say, well, hey, this is how you do this and this is how you do that. Uh, and you're just coming in blind, you know, just on your merits and on, you know, your, your hard work. That's one thing to succeed and uh, to, you know, truly, you know, transcend what you are supposed to be doing there and creating a whole new environment, you have to have, you know, a support system on the inside to coach you, to, to mentor you. Uh, and that if you don't, again, I can't stress that if you don't come from that background, uh, it is difficult to create. It, it has to be created. You have to have people on the inside that can you know, pick you up when you had a bad meeting or, you know, you, you've made a mistake. Uh, you know, these things are, you know, they're very fluid. And so embedding that into the culture uh, from a cultural perspective, uh, because we all learn differently, we all have different experiences. It makes all of the difference, all of the difference from recruiting uh, to advancement uh, to, you know, supplier diversity, all of those nuggets we, you know, we spoke on earlier, um, you will start to see uh, the, the impact of those small touches throughout that whole cycle of, you know, recruiting and, and onboarding and bringing someone in to make sure that those, you know, people succeed and you're setting them up, you know, for something, you know, bigger than they could probably ever imagine. Um, when they have that, oh. they in turn, turn around and do that for, you know, for other people. Like I was speaking about my own experience. 
if I had not had that, I wouldn't know what that was. I like that we brought it back to mentoring and recruiting. Um, what are, if you know, if you have any things that you've seen off the top of your head, some unique ways that you see organizations recruiting, whether it's, you know, employees or vendors, like you were saying, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just some unique strategies that you've seen out there. Um, first of all, I, I want to, I can't stress enough um, how early, uh, you know, people in this field can start to start that recruiting pipeline, if you will. I mean, you can really start as early as, you know, I would say probably middle school with just- Did you say that earlier? I was like, oh, they go early. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like super early. Uh, you know, we're probably the, the only country that starts kind of late on this thing. You know, when you look at like Europe, other countries of that nature, they really start, you know, they have apprenticeship programs to where, you know, they are kind of speaking with you about careers and coaching and just from an aptitude perspective or things you may like to do. Uh, at a very early age, you know, like 10, 11, 12 years old, um, you know, we're one of the countries, you know, that, you know, and it irritates me to no end, but, you know, we do do well in foreign languages, but most people in other countries, they speak, you know, by the time they're in high school, you know, they're speaking four or five languages by the time they get out, you know, but by the time they come in, you know, become an adult, all of that plays into, uh, you know, diversity, all of that plays into appreciating someone else's culture and understanding it. Uh, I think that early integration uh, and, and introduction to careers, uh, particularly in this field, when you talk about, you know, things that are specialized as fraud detection, prevention, uh, you know, compliance issues, um, laws, policies to that nature in the industries that your members work in, I can tell you that there's always room for improvement in most career fields, but particularly in this career field that you probably won't learn about until you get maybe to college, you know, um, just think about if you could, when you think about your pipeline five, 10, 20 years from now, and you're saying, oh, you know, we have a shortage of, uh, you know, forensic accountants, or we have a shortage of this. Well, just think if kids were introduced to how cool that could be, uh, you know, when they are in, in middle school and high school, and then they start taking, you know, specific, you know, classes that will help to train them uh, to do this uh, post, you know, in their post-secondary life. It would be amazing. Those are things that can be done, such as, you know, uh, just visiting schools, you know, and speaking about, you know, what I do, uh, creating uh, programs, you know, with your local, um, you know, just community support organizations. Uh, when you talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, working with, you know, organizations such as maybe the Boys and Girls Club or, or, you know, talking to, you know, different churches that have like after school programs there. I mean, there are countless opportunities to where you can go and find, you know, minority students uh, that are excited about learning uh, and introducing them to other pathways, uh, you know, for success. Uh, you know, working with HBCUs is a huge one that is overlooked. Uh, you know, HBCUs traditionally uh, are not as well funded as, as predominantly white institutions. Not that the kids aren't as bright and as smart. It's just the, you know, it's it comes down to funding, exposure, and companies that are innovative and progressive that can go and say, I want to partner with these universities. I want to create internships and fellowships with these students because they are being overlooked. Uh, and so that is a huge uh, successful educational system that has been overlooked, you know, traditionally. But I think now we are seeing uh, you know, how powerful and how strong they are. 
and where you can certainly start to partner and create some programs to help with your diversity, equity, inclusion efforts as it relates to recruiting. Um, when you talk about supplier diversity and vendor management, um, I believe that there are some companies that have done a tremendous job. And what they have done is they have said, you know, they've made uh, accountability with metrics, right? And in performance, here's where we are. Here's where we want to be. Here's the timeline <laughs> that we want to be there. And particularly when you're working with um, minority companies, we talked about the, you know, the structural uh, inequities as it relates to financial services and funding, you know, like uh, I would probably not be wrong in saying that it is very difficult for a lot of minority businesses to get um, funding in certain areas as it relates to business. Uh, if that funding was available, if alternative funding was, alternative types of funding were available for those businesses, if companies would, you know, partner with, you know, these, these institutions to create these avenues, um, you would see a rise in, in minority entrepreneurship. You would see, uh, you know, mentorships that really make sense when you're trying to uh, teach a smaller company how to become a larger company, how to uh, not fall for certain, you know, pitfalls that you may fall for because they've done it, they've been able to recover, uh, that can save a lot of money. Uh, and so being able to set those goals from a, um, a vendor management perspective, being able to uh, create, you know, metrics and, and evaluate those metrics on an annual basis and being able to stick to it, you know, and, and like I say, constantly improve. Okay, if we're going to say we're going to have 30%, you know, minority businesses uh, that we are working with, can we increase that? You know, like how is this going? How can we better mentor? How can we uh, better set, you know, these companies up for success? Um, those are some of the ways right off the top that you can make some quick transitions, some quick uh, decisions on who to partner with to help you meet your goals uh, in those two areas. And also, um, you know, to create some just sustainable lasting partnerships that are going to, I mean, again, diversity is great for business. Uh, and so you will see, uh, you know, being able to strategically uh, do things that don't cost a lot upfront. You know what I mean? It's just making different decisions and doing things in a, uh, you know, in a, in a more innovative way. Uh, those are some, you know, very high level and quick things, adjustments that can be made, you know, in a short time period uh, that can help you meet your diversity, equity, inclusion efforts. Awesome. Okay. Well, I just looked at the clock and saw that um, we're almost out of time. So I wanted to finish with one last question and just ask you, is there anything that I didn't think to ask you that you would like to share? Um, basically, you know, what do you want our listeners to walk away with today? So two things. We talked about um, those four points. I'll repeat them uh, that you can really kind of categorize your uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. So that comes in the recruiting bucket, number one. Two, expanding that accountability across your organization. Uh, three, um, embedding your efforts uh, into the entire company and how that company thinks. So that's setting people up for success by teaching them how to look uh, at diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts in a different way, not just as a compliance thing, but as how this is how we will move moving forward. Here's why, educating people on why this is important and showing them ways to do that. You can't tell someone to do it and you don't equip them with the tools they need uh, to get things done. And then lastly, uh, you know, making those significant policies that will encourage 
diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts and doing it strongly, boldly, and, and doing it from the top. Um, what was the next question? Sorry. I was it, asking it was, what you wanted people to walk away with and you said you had two things and I think that was your first thing that you wanted to share. Yes, that was one. And, oh, and secondly is not discounting the individual efforts uh, that everyone can do every day that doesn't have to be a part of a plan. It's just being a better person, listening. Remember, I spoke about listening instead of talking, listening more. That's why we have two ears and one mouth. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, just really, it, it's amazing what you can learn, you know, like when you listen. Um, and really understanding that we have so much more in common than we have different. And understanding that that's a strength and, and not a deficiency. Uh, it's not me against you. It is, we are both dynamic. We are both amazing. We are both very different. And that's a great thing. And moving forward in that spirit, uh, it's just, you know, your organization, your your association, your, your company will be better for it. And quite frankly, it is where the world is moving and has been moving for a very long time. And so it's exciting to see, uh, you know, what will come of uh, all of this renewed interest in, in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I'm excited to, to see it and be a part of it. Thank you so much, Deidre, for speaking with us today. It's been a joy and I just have tons of ideas based off of everything that you've said today. And I hope that our members and our listeners do as well. I'm sure that they will. And thank you listeners for tuning in today. Uh, you can find this episode of Fraud Talk by visiting acfe.com slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Courtney Howell signing off.